to Geek and Friends. I am your host, Scott Davis. Right alongside me is Ensign Jason Hickey. Why I always got to be an Ensign? Fine. I Fine. am the I am the authority on Star Trek in this I, I, podcast. I understand. You know what? You know what I'm going to do? What are you going to do? Because this is the last Star Trek Enterprise podcast episode. Yeah. I'm going to make you Ensign First Class. Wow. And I was keeping you with Ensign for the entire Enterprise run, to be honest. Yeah. When we got to Discovery, I was going to bring you up to Lieutenant First, uh, Lieutenant Junior Grade. Oh, okay. But you ruined my surprise. Now, I didn't ruin anything. You chose to say that. Screw you. <laughs> I'm working through our um, edits yeah. of Lower Decks right now, where I was... Uh, just laughing my butt off from me saying you need to go to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. But as I said, we are going to talk about Star Trek Enterprise Season 4, the series finale. Yes. Now, I'm not going to lie, I've been looking forward to you getting to this season. You were? Why? Because there's some great stuff in this season. There are a few, and we're going to go over this not by episode by episode, but by... Uh, by story mini stories. Arc. Yeah. Because that's what they are. They are actually just story arcs. Well, here's the thing. I can respect them for doing this because they did the first two seasons as traditional, mostly episodic, with a little bit of character, you know, mm-hmm. uh, serialization. And it was, they, they weren't getting the viewers. So they changed it up in season three and did a heavily serialized arc. Extremely serialized. They still weren't winning over the viewers. So they changed it up in season four again. And they started doing two to three episode storylines to, you know, give them a more more room to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And I I like the result. I think season four had some pretty good stuff. I'm going to say season four actually was, did pretty well. We're going to start off, though, with a pretty poor story storyline at well, Stormfront. That's because they had to... This is like... I, I view Stormfront 1 and 2 as them excising all the crap that they had to do to try and differentiate themselves in the first few seasons. Yeah, so Stormfront is the end of the Temporal Code War. And it really felt like it was, hey, we're rushing through this. We are just going to rush through, make up some evil bad guy from some third temporal agency, whereas we met the agency from Daniel, we knew the agency for the Suluban. Now there's just some random third agency that is working for the Nazis. Yeah, it's... Well, on the one hand, it's a throwback to, like, the Nazi episode of TOS, Mm -hmm. which, okay, fine. On the other hand... They're just trying to close down the Temporal Cold War. They were done yeah. with it. The storyline had possibilities, but I don't think it ever really went anywhere. No. Honestly, I like more what they did with the Temporal Cold War and Discovery than they did in this. <laughs> and, and that's kind of true, but the, all that was just like talked about in the background. Exactly. That was never really brought forward. Was, these were, you know... This was supposed to be the major ongoing week-to-week thing. Yeah. You know, outside of the episodic storytelling. Stormfront needed to finish up the Comfort Cold War storyline. Not that great of a story. Yeah, not that great, but it's done. It's done. Next is uh, one of the few single episodes. Mm-hmm. This one's called Home, episode three. Uh, to Paul takes trip to visit her mother. Hey, why did she take trip? Well, everyone was was visiting. Now there's no longer this you know co- you know time displacement issue, whatever, and everyone's now able to go see their families. So what trip doesn't have any left anymore? Right, because these are all dead. Yes, and so to Paul and Trip are sort of an item now, even though they don't want to admit it, but they are. Yes, and to Paul is like, you can come see my mom. That's a big step. It is. It's a very big step. <laughs> so to Paul goes see their mom, and, and we then find out that to Paul was engaged. Yep. I mean, we knew that she had a life prior, but now she's engaged. 
Well, and this also tracks because we know that, you know, based on the episode of Mock Time from TOS, that the Vulcans do prearranged marriages. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a little callback. It is. And so, you know, some this is also setting up something for further down the line as well. Right. Near the end of the season. But T'Pol's mother lost her job, you know, because of T'Pol. And then uh, in order for her to get back, uh, get the job back, she agreed to get married. Pissed off Trip, but Trip uh, was okay with it. Trip got to dress up in her father's old clothing, which was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely a little fish out of water thing with Trip. Yes. And Trip being, I I think, one of the better characters on the show. Mm-hmm. It was a nice little showcase for him. Yeah. So, I mean, I actually thought it was a decent episode, and it does connect with further stories down the line. Right. Next, we have uh, the next three episodes, Borderland, Cool Station 12, and The Augments. That last episode, you know, this is going to be about Augments. Yes. And it has to deal with Brent Spiner. I I like this story arc. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's fun. It's interesting. It, it kind of calls back to, you know, some Trek history, as well as, you know, at this point, Trek's future. Mm-hmm. And it's all about... Arik Sung, who is, I believe it's Noonien Sung's grandfather? Noonien's grandfather. Yeah. His Noonien's grandfather, and Noonien was the old codger that built Data. Right, because Noonien Sung is an old man in 200 years. Yes. So yeah, it's got to be his grandfather, maybe even great-grandfather, but probably not. Yeah, I think it was just grandfather. And uh, so Arik Sung, he is this brilliant genius that works with uh, Augments, and he's also... He's in jail because he's working with augments. And, right. But while he's in jail, he's actually keeps on, you know, creating and, and thinking and planning. And he writes all this stuff up and puts it on the walls. And, and then every couple of like months they come in and they take everything. And he <laughs> is on the impression that they are burning everything. By the end of the of this, uh, of this three episode arc, we find out that they actually weren't burning any of it. They were actually just storing it to we actually be able to have a better understanding of what it was he was trying to work with. Right. And when we say augments, we are referring to genetically engineered superhumans which is what Khan and his ilk were. Exactly. So that's what I'm talking about when I say that it it references Trek's history. Mm -hmm. Because this is at a point before they even discovered Khan, it's only a couple hundred years, 250 years? Before Star Trek? No, uh, after... uh, Well, it was 1996 was the... um, Yeah, the... You know, future year of 1996 uh, was when the Augment War happened. Right. So this is 21-something? Yeah, so it's not quite 200 years. Mm-hmm. 160-ish years. Yeah. So that, that's how far we are removed from Khan. Everybody still remembers him. I'm surprised I actually remember the damn 1996 date. It's, I know. It's I'm all pr- from I'm you. Very proud of you, Scott. It's all from you. I'm a happy person right now. Yeah, well, shut up. <laughs> And in this storyline, the, they, they have a, a bunch of augments who basically go on a tear to prove their supremacy. Yeah, so they first, they steal a Klingon bird of prey. Yes. Then the Klingons are pissed off with them. And then they go to Code Station 12, which is actually a station that, that houses all these, you know, every microbe that's out there. Yeah. And there's a whole storage of deadly virus ones. And they, he, they go in and they take a hold of the station and then they, you know, steal a whole bunch of these plague biomes. And then they take go back into the bird of prey and they decide to go to some random planet and they were going to go and spread it across the um, planet to kill everyone. Can I just make a, a little note? Um, if you are committing acts of war against a hostile race... This isn't war, this is genocide. I'm talking about the murdering of the Klingon crew and stealing the bird of prey. Oh yeah, sure. If you're, if you're doing that and then you are 
you know, getting ready to commit genocidal acts with biological warfare, mm-hmm. you're probably not the good guys. That's like, yes, that's very true. <laughs> I feel like it's obvious, but but we should probably say it. But one of the reasons we went to Code Station 12 is actually this is the station that Sun was working at before, mm-hmm. and this is the station that held the embryos of other augments. They were trying to gather up the rest of the augments and to birth them. Right. By the end of the episode trilogy, um, every single augment and every single of the embryos are killed. Mm-hmm. But we'll find out more about it later. <laughs> <laughs> now, I do got to take special note. The lead augment is played by Alec Newman. Yep. Who just a few years prior to this episode, he was Paul Atreides mm. in the Sci-Fi Channel miniseries of Dune. And yes. so... Yes. Well, we'll be talking about Dune later on. Had a little soft spot for him. Yes. The movie is coming out soon, so... Yes, by the time by the time this episode comes out, the movie's already out. Yes. <laughs> so next trilogy is the Forge Awakening and Kershawa. 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 Sure, whatever. Got to brush up on your Vulcan, Scott. Now, I think it's more <laughs> the fact that I can't say my R is being the fact I am from Massachusetts. Well, that's a character flaw. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but this is dealing with the humans are uh, you know Admiral Gardner. I was going to say the humans, but it was really just Admiral Gardner, who was in the Vulcan embassy. He was trying, like, hey, yeah, the council is going to go vote for, you know, joining with the Federation. The burgeoning Federation. The burgeoning. It's not actually a thing yet. Exactly. And all of a sudden, boom, Gardner dies. But he does save Sirach. Uh, Saval. Yeah. Now, this was actually pretty huge because this was not a case of, hey, we've met this guy three times. Hey, he's... This was a character introduced this season two episodes ago. Admiral Forrest. I said Gardner, didn't I? As far as Forrest. Forrest, Yeah, Forrest. He has been in this show since the beginning. He is the one who gave command of the NX Enterprise to Archer. He Mm -hmm. has been their contact in charge of their operations for four seasons now. So this is not a small death. No, exactly. It's like whenever you see a head of command for star uh, for starfleet has always been admiral forest right and why I, was i saying gardner because they're both green i don't know yeah, whatever. and i gotta say he never devolved into being a bad admiral no he was always relatively straight laced knew what he, he was a great admiral yeah in the annals of trek history of all the admirals that we've ever had he's probably easily in the top five i do like oded ferrer as an admiral though he is pretty great he's one of the other ones the other two are in later trek series and i will bring them up when they when they show up. Yeah, all right, fine. But this, we find out of another sect of Vulcans. Uh, the Cernax? The, the ones who follow the teachings of... Well, they all follow they follow. Sirach. Well, this, these are the ones that follow the direct teachings of Sirach. Okay, and, yeah, that uh, makes but, sense. But they're fundamentalists, but... They're, they're Zionists, is what they are. Um, and they are in caves, and Archer and T'Pol are now going to go... Down to uh, down to the planet. To Paul finds out that her mother actually is you know one of these you know sect members. Yes, which is where that story of meeting her mother comes in. So we needed to know her before we got in. Right. Uh, they, so then she goes down with, with Archer. They travel, and he meets up with. They meet up with some random Vulcan that uh, is you know leading them astray because they don't because he doesn't want them to go find these other the sect uh, the, he doesn't want to find the sect and you know while they're there then all of a sudden one of the uh, vulcan you know tornado lightning storm happens 
You know, just random tornado lightning storms. Hey, Vulcan's not a great place. <laughs> and he gets killed. But T'Pol is, is already knocked out. While he's about to die, he then mind melts Archer, and then he dies. Mm-hmm. After he mind melts Archer, what actually happened was he transferred the consciousness of Serac to Archer. Which is huge, because Serac has been dead for thousands, thousands of years. Because it's been thousands of years since the Vulcans split from the Romulans. Mm-hmm. So this Katra has been floating around going from Vulcan to Vulcan. Actually, no. It was only... Oh, wait. So, no, so, was... so this is this actually what, what, what went on. This Vulcan that they found him actually was the leader of this sect. Right. And he found an artifact that had Serac's right. Katra inside I was thinking of that it. just as I said that. I was like, wait, no, I'm wrong. And... So he was the only one that had that Katra. And then he gave it to Archer. When they got to the sect, because uh, he also had the memory of where to go to find the sect. So when he did, he, they went up and find the sect. And once he got there, then one of the Vulcans that were there said, hey, you shouldn't have it. I'm going to take it for myself. But Sirach wouldn't go. He actually was, he would rather be an Archer. That's, yeah. And <laughs> so... With Archer, then they went and actually took down the government. Uh, the leader of the Vulcans wanted just to destroy everyone that was there. And, um, and now the sect is actually in charge because they found the the actual writings of Sarak. Yes. And this carries over into TOS because um, we, we've, you know, they we, they talk about Sarak a lot. Mm-hmm. Sarak is actually featured in an episode of TOS, which is, we'll get there. Um, but... The big indicator that the sect is still in power is mm. the one of the main characters or one of the members of the sect is Tapau. Tapau is also in the episode Amok Time, where she is a very respected leader and also a relative of Spock's. Mm. So this woman is still in power a hundred years later. You got to remember she was actually young in this episode. Oh right, yeah. Vulcans live to be very old. Sir uh, Sarek was like two hundred and fifty years old when he died. Yeah, I mean. Tuvok on Voyager is like 130 years old. Yeah. And, I mean, T'Pol herself, she's 90. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that it's the same woman doesn't isn't the huge thing. It's that she's still in power. So, mm-hmm. the sect who follows the direct teachings of Surak did reform Vulcan, and it, and it kept. Yep. Next, we have Daedalus. This is one of the other fewer uh, individuals. Uh, this one's really about transporter failures, transporter, you know... It's the uh, the per- Dr. Erickson who was the person that came up with transport technology. Mm-hmm. He needed to do something stupid to find something stupid. Uh, <laughs> what actually happened was, if you notice I'm saying stupid because it really didn't matter. Uh, <laughs> what he actually was trying to do was he was trying to find his son. Because his son was one of the first test subjects and actually never got rematerialized. Yeah. And we actually found out that the rematerialization is actually, um, even if you're not rematerialized, you're actually still stuck in a... Um, like a sort of like alternate, you know, like dimension sort of thing. Okay. And you're, you can actually, during certain times, you can come through and walk through things. You, and you won't get hurt because you're already dead technically, <laughs> 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 but you actually hurt everyone else while you're walking through it, you know, destroying, you know, yeah, destroying, you know, panels and electric stuff and everything else. Like See, I, th- I think this is them trying to. 
you know, put to bed the whole thing about the theory that you're you're a you're clone. killed and then cloned every time you're transported. Yeah, because this episode I think kind of flies in the face of that. Yeah, because you really because it's not a clone itself. It's actually uh, it's creating a space techno babble uh, yes, thing. One hundred percent techno babble. I, I, there's nothing I can say about that other than it's techno babble. It is. Next episode, Observer Effect. I like this episode. This is a good one. All right. I like this episode. So this episode is the Enterprise gets to a location and uh, they went down. Hoshi and Tucker are coming back up from a um, you know a scouting mission. Mm-hmm. And then they, uh, Tucker starts to cough. And he's like, oh, no. you know He's getting really sick. And he's like, blood's actually coming out of the spittle. And so now he's in, in decon. Well, before that, we actually found that there are, like, beings that are taking over bodies of the crew members. So, pretty much, it's the majority of time they're taking over Reed and Mayweather. Mayweather, Jason's not a huge fan of. Reed, I'm not a huge fan of. So, so how did this episode land for you? (laughs) Well, here's the thing, though. I thought this was the best Reed and Mayweather episode. Because they're not playing themselves. Because they're not playing themselves. So, I don't want you... I mean, it's not the actors we don't like. Right. It's the characters we don't like. Well, and the thing is, every Trek has suffered from this with certain characters. Mm -hmm. Especially in TOS. In TOS, most of the characters are whatever they need to be that week. Except for Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. Everybody else... I mean, one week, Sulu's a botanist. The next week, Sulu loves antique weapons. I mean, Chekhov is always a stereotypical Russian. Yeah. Scotty is always a drunken Scottish engineer. Yes. Other than that, they don't change. They are static characters. And I think that was the problem with, largely with Mayweather. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he had a little bit of development when he went back to the boomer ship. Yeah. And, and, but that was it. That's like but, all he did. And the thing with Reed was he was the security guy and he was really just the one note security guy. He literally had no evolution upon his character. Right. And then he did this, and there's, like, definitely a huge evolution. Yeah. And and then we find out later on in a few more episodes about it, something else. Yeah. And we'll get into that in a moment. Right. And really, while we're on the subject of static characters, this show also... Hoshi was also one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, she really didn't change for four seasons, and she did it was minuscule. Yeah. So it's a problem that I think every series has had. This one had it more. Mm. I think this one had it the most since TOS. Yes. So what these observers were, they, they were observing other cultures mm. that were going down to this planet, coming back and seeing what, how they would react to people getting infected. Right. And then they saw the Klingons actually, when they found the infections were, you know, they wouldn't even let their shuttle back on. They just destroyed it. The Kardashians actually let them back on, but then uh, the infection got through and killed half the ship. Yeah. And, you know, so they saw, you know, other species doing different things. And they actually saw the humans were following suit with some of the previous, you know, keeping them in a certain certain area so that they wouldn't have the infection go through. Uh, if someone did break break out, they, uh, you know, they closed everything down so nothing would be able to get into that area so no one else would get infected. So they were actually impressed with how they were handling it. And then they got even more impressed with the empathy of the humans. And the fact that when Archer was there and he was trying and he they actually had to go and do certain surgery, but he was originally wearing gloves. And Archer was like, no, Dr. Flux, you can't take off your gloves because if you get infected, you're the only doctor. We can have as many people in command, but this is a medical issue. So let me take off my gloves so I can. And then you tell me how to handle it. So the empathy of him actually going in, knowing that he's going to get infected himself, they were just 
it, it changed the minds of these non-corporeal aliens. Yeah. Which then later found, uh, you know, said, hey, yeah, you know what? We're just going to heal them, bring them back to life. And the whole effects of the episode, and I don't think we ever know who these aliens are or find out about them ever again. Not that I know of. Hey, maybe it's Q. Maybe. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but they, you know, it's nothing really important effects within the episode that will go in the future or come from the past but it's just a good episode i would say no direct effects but i think in the next couple of episodes you kind of see the same Mm -hmm. characteristics of archer yep affecting other races because he is able to get people to see eye to eye and it is because he's human and he's brash Mm -hmm. and he gives zero craps about you know hey i don't care if you've hated each other for 300 years you need to get over it, and we need to do this. And we're going to find that out in the next trilogy of episodes, Babel 1, United, and the a mm-hmm. And this is a trilogy about the Tellarites, the Andorans. Yes. And the Vulcans. Yes. Now, the Tellarites, Andorians, and Vulcans, and humans were the founding members of the Federation. You saw one or two Tellarites in TOS, and then you didn't see them again for a very long time. You saw one or two Andorians in TOS, and then you never saw them again for a very long time. You get a lot of Tellarites and Andorians in this series, and it's one of the reasons that I think it, it it's one of the successes of Enterprise, mm-hmm. is that it really fleshed out those two species. And so so what was going to happen was Archer was going to take a ambassador of the Tellarites to a meeting with the Andorans. They're going to have a, a whole peace summit. Uh, but on the way, Sharan's ship, who was an Andoran, got attacked mm-hmm. by supposedly Tellarites. And then the Enterprise... Went to Shran's ship to assist aid. Well, he brings Shran's uh, people back on, on, on board his ship. And then it, what it seems to be an Endurance cruiser is attacking the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. As he seems, he knows. I'm like actually saying it is. Are you saying there may be subterfuge? We are, I am 100% saying it's subterfuge <laughs> because we did find out that these are actually the Romulans. Yes. So Tucker and I think Reed went on this uh, went, went on to that ship. They got onto that ship and they was you know started to go through uh, and then they f- they got stuck on the ship uh, on the Romulan ship uh, and they found out like you know had a whole bunch of hollow emitters on there and I think this was supposed to be showing the precursor to the Romulan stealth technology. Yes. But the problem was previous episodes and I think it was season two we saw a Romulan. Warbird decloak. I don't know if it was specifically their their cloaking technology they were trying to show. I think it was that they're devious and conniving. Yeah, but yeah, it yeah. Go ahead. So we also find out that they aren't flying the ship. The ship is being flown telepathically, and so it's actually being done through a telepath. Well, the only telepath that we know of right now is Vulcan. So they checked to see if this, and they were like, no, no, Vulcans can't, you know, do tele- telepathy that that far. And so Shran says, well, there's actually a a, sec- a breed of of Andorans that are, you know, paler and blinder, <laughs> <laughs> but they have telepathy, and they are strong telepaths, and they're called the Anars. Mm-hmm. And we actually see in the Strange New World trailer that there is going to be one of the Anars that's going to be on the. Sh- enterprise yes good I, I think it's cool they're gonna they're using a very little known thing to mm-hmm. kind of flesh it out so the anr that they bring aboard uh well they go you know shran and archer go down they seek seek out the anrs the anrs are hiding and then they finally come out and then they say we're not going to help you because we're pacifists but then one anr says yes i'm going to go with you and she then says hey she's actually the person that is attacking you is my brother Oops. And so then she telepathically communicates with him, and he says, they said that you all died. Oh, they're lying. We're all alive. 
and you're hurting us. And he's like, oh no. And then he then decides to go and attack, you know, the ships and he, and they, the ships destroyed and he gets killed. Yeah. And she's sad because she was in the mine when he, when he gets killed, but it is a sad thing. Yeah. This was a decent one just because it, it kind of shows the Romulans being a disruptive force mm-hmm. in this area. Yep. And it was definitely going to be a precursor to what they were going to do in season five had it ever happened, which was the Romulan War. Yes. But, because you notice they never actually see a Romulan. They know they're Romulans. They know the Romulans are involved, but mm-hmm. they never see them. No. So next we have Affliction and Divergence. And this is a Phlox series. Phlox mm-hmm. is kidnapped and they have to go and save him. Phlox well, being kidnapped is because he is the greatest and best medical officer ever. I mean, he is pretty great. I'm I'm saying ever. <laughs> I am saying I'm saying he outstrips McCoy. He outstrips Crusher. He outstrips Bashir. You want to give me another? You know, you want to say the Doctor? Oh no, come on, he's better. Bashir's than the a little bit of a stretch. That dude's an augment. No, <laughs> no, no. Flox is the best. Like if you had to give like the like like the best, you know, of blah 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 for Star Trek. Your best captain sure would be between Picard and you know Kirk. I know you say. Are you just you are you Cisco. just discounting Cisco? Are we going to fight no, right now? No, because Cisco is technically the best first officer. Cisco was a captain. Cisco is actually technically the best first officer because he was only a commander. He was a captain after season three. Yeah, actually, beginning of season three, he was a captain. And so, if that, on that case, then <laughs> it's Spock is the first, is the best first officer. Well, obviously, I was going to go science officer, but you know he is best first officer. But the best medic that is Flocks hands down. All right, all right. I can, honestly, I think it's a respectable choice. I can do it. Everybody's always, their gut reaction is always to go with somebody from TOS because TOS is the OG. Mm-hmm. But I think if we're being honest, Flox was very innovative. Flox was really, really good. Yeah. And so this is actually the episode that introduces the Klingon augments. So the Klingons found the embryos of the human augments. And this is actually how... The Klingons have these smooth heads during TOS. Yeah. Which is then completely retrofitted entirely during Discovery. Yeah, what are you going to do? So this is something I was going to bring up is is the Discovery Klingons, are they not the same Klingons? Well, okay. There's a couple of different takes on this. And the take that I kind of go with is that the Discovery Klingons, the major ones you see, are religious fanatics. And they were not infected by the Augment virus, so they did not have the smooth heads. Mm-hmm. After the Klingon War, they were pushed into obscurity, and more of the Augments came forward, which is why you saw a lot of the Augments in TOS. So you're saying it's a coincidence. Yes. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to be the one to say, I'm not a, I'm not a canon like junkie. Mm-hmm. Yes, I like continuity, but I'm not going to let this kind of thing like ruin everything for me. Is it, I mean, is it kind of weird that Discovery went back and kind of just threw this storyline away mm-hmm. that tried to explain something that honestly didn't need explaining? Yeah, but that's no. the whole point of the storyline was to explain why Klingons had, you know, just look sort of human in a yeah. TOS. Right. Next is Bound. And this is the... Uh, so this is the one with the Orion Slave Girls. Yep. And yeah, it's just it's, it's the one with the Orion Slave Girls. Okay, it it's the one that flipped the script on the Orions, though. Because previously what we'd seen of them was the Orion men were, you know, very much in charge. And the, they had slave girls. And mm. the slave girls were exotic and everybody wanted a Orion slave girl. Yep. But in this we find out that the slave 
I'm doing air quotes, the slave girls emitted a pheromone that allowed them to control the men. Yep. So in fact, the Orion slave girls are in charge. Lower Decks did a great take on this. <laughs> with Tendi. With Tendi in a, in, a, in a recent episode. So I, I, I kind of feel like they, they were trying to write a past mm-hmm. wrong, you know, yeah. per se, because, you know, the slave girl thing no. was very 60s. Very 60s. But I do have to say, the three slave girls, very attractive. Yes. So the next two episodes are in A Mirror Darkly, and we are going to do that last. We are? We are. Okay. It, it doesn't matter if you watch it, you know, in the order or you watch it after. It is a alternate timeline sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't take an effect at all. So the next two episodes are Demon and Terra Prime. See, I think that Demon, Demons and Terra Prime. Those should be the finale of the series. 100%. If anything, the, this is a great season finale. It is. And it, it, it shifts focus on, you know, Earth's role in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And it paves the way for them founding the Federation. Yep. And if they would have had a fifth season, I really think they could have built off of this. Especially when... Because the fifth season was supposed to be the Romulan War. Okay. So it would have been Archer and the Federation... Or Archer and the human Starfleet having to form the Federation mm-hmm. to fight the Romulans. And this episode kind of like puts Earth's isolationism to past. Yep. And it also it starts to it, it starts to show that the Tellarites... The, uh, sorry, the Tellarites... The Vulcans and the Andorans are actually starting to get together, and they were going to have a coalition. Right. And that they, they respect the crap out of Archer. Yep. Because Archer's great. He is. And he, there was a sect of humanity that is isolationist, and they are just idiots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they try to go and, you know, they make a human-Vulcan hybrid with the DNA of Trip and T'Pol. Yeah, they, they do it in order to show this abomination that the aliens are bringing upon us. And mm-hmm. they're, they're a bunch of jackasses. They really are. And and, and the, Peter, the, Peter Weller does great as their leader. He does. Uh, but the baby does die in the end. Right. Uh, and they said it, you know, because the they didn't know how to do cloning uh, processes properly. Right. And, and But humans and Vulcans are biological compatibly. Right. Which we know because 100 years later, we've got Spock. Exactly. So... I feel these actually were two very good episodes. Mm-hmm. And if you ended at Terror Prime, perfect end of the season. Would have been killer. But they have These Are the Voyages. Yes. And they did this because it was a series finale. And so. They weren't getting a fifth season. Nope. And so what it was is this is the setup, you know, 10 years later, and Archer has to make a speech because they are going to form the Federation. Right. And then we find out that this whole thing, this whole episode is a hologram of Riker. Riker is just doing a hollow program whatsoever. And this actually takes place during Star Trek Enterprise. Sorry, Star Trek The Next Generation. Right. And I do not remember the exact episode, but it is the episode where he is going to the Pegasus. I I believe the episode is called the Pegasus, isn't it? It might be. I don't know. I don't know. But honestly, it's one of the best TNG episodes. Yes. But that's the reason why he is wearing the older... Right. And uh, TNG uniform and not the movie uniforms. Right. And and their whole conceit in this is he's trying to decide whether to tell Picard about the events in that episode, mm-hmm. about his knowledge of them. And he's going back to try and get inspiration from Archer and the NX crew. He's actually getting the inspiration from Tucker because the inspiration is of why Tucker, because the whole, whole thing was, you know, how, why did Trip die? Right. Trip dies in the episode. One of the, you know, 
horrible things that happens in the episode that we don't really want to have. But <laughs> I mean, the episode we then find out Shran has a child, Shran has to go pick, you know, get his child back from a, you know, a smuggler sort of thing, and he, you know, brings Archer in as, you know, it's one of the favors that he has to do. Yeah. And so they go, they get the child back, everything seems to be all right, then they uh, get on board. And there's always, like, little, like, hints that, oh, Trip's going to get hurt. Oh, no, Trip's going to get hurt. You know, you know that Trip's going to die in the episode. It's like, oh, yeah, so it's like, Trip, eh, you know, Trip's. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like, you know, he, he's going to get hurt, but no, he they, they, he's fine. And then, it, like, near the end of the episode, the smugglers come aboard, and Trip, he's like, oh, you know, I'll take you to Shram, even though... Archie keeps saying Shram has left the ship. He's right. no longer on the ship. You, you left him. You missed him. And like, no, we don't believe you. And so then they knock out Archer because uh, Trip says, I'll take you. And Archer's saying, no, no, no. And they was like, well, we'll just kill him. He's like, no, no, just knock him out. <laughs> so they knock, out, <laughs> they knock out Archer. Trip then brings him to some random, you know, tucked away hallway thing. Opens up two hatches, takes two wires and connects them together and boom, kills half of them. And he, and he gets killed himself because he's in the center of the blast. Yeah. It's a stupid death. Now, I am not one to complain that, oh, this person didn't get a noble death. Sometimes death is, a lot of time, death is not noble. No. But the fact that they kind of wrote this death to serve a purpose to get Riker to tell Picard about an episode that actually aired 10 years previous. Yeah, it was kind of ridiculous. It's just dumb. I mean, it was a dumb decision. Mm-hmm. Honestly, this is a decent T- this is a decent TNG episode. If it was a TNG episode, I'd be 100% fine with it. You know, middle of the pack, decent episode. I'm not going to skip it. Fine. But it's not a TNG episode. This is the series finale exactly. of Enterprise. And the way they did it just cheapened the series. And it's a lot of fans hate it. Most yeah. fans hate it. I don't hate it. I just think it was a dumb decision. No. Um, although I do got to say a lot of people were upset about Trip dying. And mm-hmm. they did bring him back in the books as a Section 31 agent. Because apparently Section 31 helped fake his death. Which actually, I, I did kind of gloss over that um, during the whole uh, human, you know, during the rail finale that we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Section 31 actually was introduced and we found out that Reed actually was a member of Section 31. Yeah. And we actually find out where, where the Section 31 name comes from. It is the Section 31 in the Starfleet articles of, uh, you know, the creation of Starfleet saying in Section, that, that is Section 31. Yeah. I mean, it's basically, it tells you that Section 31 has been around since the inception of Starfleet. Yeah. So, I didn't want to end the the Star Trek Enterprise series on that last episode, which is why I decided to bring the mirror darkly to the end. Because okay. I wanted to end it with some actually decent stuff. Okay. Do you do you like my decision on that? I do. I do. Because honestly, this is probably the best mirrorverse material that Star Trek ever did. Yes, and it's completely mirrorverse. It's you don't have any like like alternate coming back and forth. The dis, the defiant doesn't count. I think it counts. No, because we actually get that information from TOS. Okay. So I'm just saying, this is not purely a mirrorverse thing. There is an intrusion from the Prime Universe. Sure. <clears throat> now, here's my thought. Oh, jeez. I texted this to Jason already. He doesn't like it. <laughs> it's so, not that I don't like it. I just don't agree with it. So, here's the thing. In the Prime Universe, the Next Generation crew comes back to the past to stop the Borg from attacking the you know Bozeman Montana with Zephyr Cochran and Cochran then sees all this death and devastation all around him and then he you know and after the Vulcans come he then becomes friends with them and the rest of the Prime Universe then goes forward in this 
we see Cochran meeting with the Vulcans. The next generation crew never came. So he never got the interaction between, you know, his, you know, him from knowing of World War Three to, you know, just going off to meeting the Vulcans. So when the Vulcans come, he's already an agitated, you know, surly person that gets drunk all the time anyways. And he just wants to be able to get himself further along with technology without the cost. And he then, the Vulcans come, and so then he takes a gun and he shoots them and he takes it over. So I think this literally could just be a continuation of Cochrane as himself going forward and in the real universe is actually the mirror universe. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not the prime universe, but it's actually the mirror universe because of that. There is one flaw in my in my thought, though. Only one. <laughs> Only one. Only one. Okay. And that is the history of the mirror universe is actually more aggressive right. in, in, in the history itself. Which is why I, I like the theory, but I don't think it's right. Because it being more aggressive in the prime universe, World War Three happened. Ten years later, Zephram Kotkin built a warp ship. He got managed to get to warp one and caught the attention of the Vulcans. He met the Vulcans and Earth was, you know, inducted into the galactic neighborhood, so to speak. Mm -hmm. the, the, the fact that the Enterprise, that in first contact, the Enterprise had to go back and stop the Borg. They were writing the already done timeline. Now, the reason in the Mirrorverse, Cochran shot the Vulcans and stole their ship was because he had the increased aggression of the Mirrorverse. I already said I had a slight <laughs> issue, and I'm not going to go too much into the depth, but I, I really like my hypothesis. Though. I do like your hypothesis. I, I think it's pretty well thought out. I'll give you that. Okay. I like my hypothesis is all I'm saying. <laughs> and we do see this in, because they do a, a alternate title sequence for this episode. Mm -hmm. And in the title sequence, you see Cochrane shoot the Vulcan, and then you see Earth's history, or Federation, no. You see Starfleet's history as a conquering force versus a, you know, Exploration. And so, mirror darkly, we get to see, you know, Forrest is back. And he's now the captain. So he's Captain Forrest. He's not an admiral anymore. Right. But he's the captain of the Enterprise. Archer is the first officer. Archer, you know, as any mirror first person, he wants to take control. So how does he take control? Murders his captain. Exactly. <laughs> he doesn't actually murder him, but he gets him in, you know, knocks him out and brings him to the brig. Right. And he forcefully takes over. Archer has, he, he found out about the Defiant and he wants to go to you know, get to the Defiant. Right. And that's where we see the Tholians. So the Tholians were never actually seen. Mm -hmm. There was an episode called the Tholian Web where the Enterprise, in TOS, where the Enterprise was trying to find the Defiant. And the Tholians were creating a web and because they're a bug-like race apparently, mm -hmm. but they never actually find the Defiant. And it's just, it's been a, a loose end, so to speak, until this episode. Yep. And so what happened was the Defiant went back into a blah, 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 temporal mumbo jumbo, blah, blah, <laughs> <laughs> and went to the mirror universe. And we see Phlox is now like a sociopathic doctor. Uh, T'Pol is now, you know, just a sniveling little sycophant. Because the Vulcans were subjugated mm -hmm. in this universe. And it's just, it's a good, it's a good series. It, it's, and I actually heard <clears throat> that if season five happened, they were going to, you know, bring back the Murray universe for like half the season. And see, I, they did that on Discovery season one. I think the Mirrorverse is fine in small doses. Mm -hmm. I don't like it when they do tons of Mirrorverse. I mean, this two-parter was a good amount. Yeah. And it told a good story. 
But when, when you start relying on the mirror verse, I think it's lazy. No, ex- exactly. Because <clears throat> you're not really going to see any of this. And especially just like what we find out later in Discovery that, you know, the mirror verse completely separated and is no longer available. Mm-hmm. You can't connect with it anymore. And yeah, no. But as for on a whole, season four, better than season one. Okay. Half of it's better than season two. Half of it's not. Fair. Not as good as season three. And see, I actually like it better than season three. I, See, I, I like the, the whole Zindi storyline arc. I, I like the fact that they told a bunch of small arcs, mm-hmm. and I think most of those arcs were pretty good. I also I do really enjoy the Zindi arc, and it was very well done. It was I just think, too long. I think the seasons three and four were better than seasons one and two. Yeah. Seasons one and two have some decent episodes, but... That's why I said half. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> well, that has been Captain Scott Davis's. You get to be a captain for this one. That has been his take on the last season of Star Trek Enterprise. The next time we get together and talk about Star Trek, we will be covering Discovery Season 1. And this is going to be doing only 1 and 2. Because after Season 2, they then jump to the future. Yes. So I'm I'm looking forward to a retrospective take on this. Because me and him have talked about this. I don't think we actually covered it on the podcast. I think we started with Season 2. We started, I believe, we actually, I thought we started with Season 3. I think we started with season two. Anyways. Yeah, anyway, it'll be a nice retrospective on a recent Star Trek series, and I'm I'm looking forward to Scott's take on it. Anyway, I have been your geek, Jason. And I have been your geek, Scott. Thank you for listening, and live long and prosper.